Welcome to the Healthy Compulsive Project podcast, where you can take a deep dive to explore the pitfalls and potential of the obsessive compulsive personality, offering hope and help for perfectionists, workaholics, micromanagers, type A personality, and control freaks. Hello, everyone. I'm Gary Trosclair, psychotherapist, Jungian analyst, and author of the Healthy Compulsive Project book, blog, and podcast. Many people with obsessive compulsive personality feel a responsibility to bring order to chaos, to straighten up the living room, keep their feelings under control, and make sure that no one breaks the rules. In this podcast, we explore one of the roots of this tendency, the myth of chaos and order, which is a prominent foundation of many civilizations. Once we bring this to consciousness, we can begin to make more informed decisions about what's really chaotic and what's our knee-jerk reaction to anything that's not perfect and controlled. Then we're able to turn our capacities for creating order onto the issue that needs it, our own reactions to chaos. This is Episode 30 of the Healthy Compulsive Project Podcast, Turning Chaos into Order, Meaning and Burden for the Obsessive Compulsive Personality. Psychiatrist Carl Jung liked to ask people, and I'm paraphrasing lightly here, but then what is your myth? What is the story that inspires and motivates you? He wasn't presuming that they were soft-headed nincompoops. He was just trying to understand the foundations by which we all live. Many of us borrow from multiple myths to create our own personal myth. But I suspect that one central myth motivates most people with obsessive-compulsive personality— the myth of the eternal battle between chaos and order. In this story, order is the hero or heroine that makes everything copacetic after the villain, chaos, has wreaked havoc for far too long. We tend to identify with order as a personal hero or heroine and live accordingly. Participation in this larger story can bring meaning and fulfillment. We're engaged with, and part of, something larger than ourselves. It can feel like we're part of the solution, are doing the right thing, and experience pleasure all at the same time. But we can also be taken over by the story. These mythological characters have a way of taking up resonance in your psyche, stretching out comfortably on a neurological throne, and giving orders to maintain order as if this had been their kingdom all along. Then, we have a despot in charge rather than a hero at our disposal. Bringing order to chaos is no longer a choice but a demand. Adopting this story and its particular hero, order, means that you'll do everything in your control to fight chaos. In effect, creating order becomes the unspoken religion of people with obsessive-compulsive personality. Or, if that doesn't resonate with you, Order is like your computer operating system, such as Mac OS, Windows, Linux, always running in the background, and it guides just about everything you do. That's a heavy burden to carry. Your entire world may seem chaotic and in need of rescue, but that's partly because you're seeing it through the lens of control, in which chaos is evil. And since you can't see your own contact lenses, much less your own eyeballs, this viewpoint affects you more than you may be able to see. This isn't to say that all this chaos is imagined. Some of it is real, and thank God there are stalwart compulsives out there to fight it. 
But that kitchen chaos you think your partner created last night, that's not real chaos. Before we go any further, in the sense that I'm using it, myth does not denote a common falsehood, but rather a universal truth told in story. Myths convey the accumulated and refined wisdom that has endured over millennia because they offered insight that served humans. In many cases, we have internalized these myths and rerun our lives based on them, without realizing it. Creation myths used to be a central part of the ongoing education of the people in a tribe. The idea was that members would be well aware of the underpinnings of how they saw the world. When their world seemed in danger, they'd tell the story again to reestablish a sense of order. We don't bother with such poppycock anymore, much to our detriment. So, I'll try to bring some order to this chaos by telling the myth and raising it to consciousness. The myth of chaos and order isn't itself written down once and for all in definitive form, stored in an ancient version of a whore drive, and hidden in the mountains of Mesopotamia. But you can see its theme underlying most creation myths. The central motif is that the universe began in chaos and moved quickly toward order. Here's the essence of the story as our healthy, compulsive project staff reporters documented it on location many, many years ago. We're here witnessing a huge expanse with no boundaries, wet, windy, dark, and menaced by unidentifiable booming sounds. Everything is unknown, in constant flux, and indescribable. No right angles, no symmetry, no place to charge your iPhone, much less your Tesla. It's a total mess. No association of tennis professionals or Las Vegas shows to entertain us. Believe me, you, you don't want to be here. But wait! Now there's a force swooping in and settling down all the commotion. It seems to have a large O for order on its costume. Light is becoming consistent and vision is becoming possible. Water is being separated from the land. The wind is settling its differences with the air it was pushing around. Plants and animals are starting to grow and thrive. The landscapes are incredible. It's good, really good. Suddenly, we see vending machines dispensing frappuccino, deodorant, and charred jalapeno and peach guacamole. What had felt like a very disturbing and chaotic universe has now become a place of beauty, awe, and high cuisine. So, you see why we began to venerate the forces of order. Even if you reject the stories that shows up in Genesis, in the Bible, you can't get away from it. The theme still lives in lots of other places, including your psyche. And that's not bad. Without this urge, we would not have built villages, learned to farm, and deputized referees to maintain order when 22 large and otherwise unruly men converge on an open field, competing for control of an inflated pigskin. The urge for order operates not just on a cosmic level, but also on a personal one. Each day, I try to bring a little order to my world and to my psyche. I put words in order. I clear hiking trails of deceased branches. I play in a cover band wherein I'm constantly seeking precise rhythm, perfect intonation, and a piquant pulse that makes people want to dance. And I try to cultivate harmony among the many parts of my personality. At times, it's like herding cats, but I still manage. So, order is a deep and deeply natural impulse with significant benefits, one that most of us have inherited to some degree, some more than others, as we'll see below. But there's also an urge to bring chaos to order, 
to shake things up so we don't die of tedium or pig-headedness. The people with this urge are often artists, certain politicians, and brazenly disruptive fashion designers. Composers like Beethoven, Bartok, and Chuck Berry challenged the status quo through music. And, while people were very upset with them at first, their audiences eventually recognized that they'd made generous contributions to a higher order of civilization. Case in point, Chuck Berry's revolutionary rock anthem, Roll Over Beethoven. Chuck was sick and tired of his sister dominating the family piano with classical music, so he channeled his capacity for musical order to bring a little chaos, like rock and roll, to the musical atmosphere in their living room. The rest is history. There are some people out there that have tendencies to embrace both chaos and order, but they've been stuck inside the convention center in Des Moines, Iowa for 137 years because they go back and forth and can't make any real progress. Well, that's not really true. In fact, one of my points in this podcast will be that we need a certain amount of chaos to go along with our order in order to live well and that most compulsives have a diet deficient in chaos. Someone once asked the great Buddhist teacher Shunryu Suzuki to boil Buddhism down to its essence in a phrase. He paused, pondered, and answered, Everything changes. So, get used to chaos. Make it your friend. It will visit often. This dynamic of order alternating with chaos also shows up in psychotherapy. I'm always looking for the connecting themes that help bring order to the many feelings and episodes that can leave clients feeling overwhelmed. Bringing order to these helps them to understand themselves and calm what had felt like a nightmare inside. But it's also my job to shake things up when they've gotten stuck. For instance, I may need to deflate their inflated idea that they can and should be perfect. While this can be disruptive, it's also indispensable to becoming a healthy compulsive. Establishing priorities requires order. Rearranging those priorities may feel chaotic. You might have thought that rearranging the closets was a higher priority than just sitting down with your partner and talking about the ranger's current slump. Depending on your understanding of the place of hockey in the hierarchy of the universe, This might seem meaningless and a chaotic misuse of time to you. But the presumption that hanging clothes in closets is more pressing than hanging out with your partner needs to be challenged. It may feel chaotic to you because you believe that efficiency is next to godliness and that wasting time is disorderly. This needs to be questioned not because hockey is so important, but because your partner is. While I usually root for order over chaos in the eternal conflict, I sometimes welcome chaos as a necessary detour to reach higher levels of order and complexity. Order accounts for the urge that's at the root of the compulsive personality. We experience chaos with visceral discomfort. Imperfections of any sort, broken rules, asymmetry, and loud competing conversations in which no one hears anybody can all constellate the experience of chaos. And this discomfort activates energy to do something about it. Complete the incomplete, perfect the imperfect, and correct the incorrect, despite any consequences. This energy needs a more productive outlet. This is primal for us. We can't simply talk ourselves out of it. 
our best hope is to recognize that energy has been triggered by disorder and try to ascertain exactly what it is that really needs to be remedied. Sometimes this might actually be about chaos on the outside that needs our attention, but that's always going to be there. More importantly, we need to develop the capacity to tolerate and even welcome chaos on the outside while honing the skill of attending to what feels chaotic on the inside. Since creating order is one of the superpowers of people with obsessive-compulsive personality, we can apply that to our internal reaction to chaos, not just what seems like chaos on the outside. Learning the discrete skill of letting go will be essential to making this switch. Here are some examples that might not seem like they're about chaos at first, but look closer and you may see that your lens projects assumptions about the myth of chaos onto many different situations. I'll give five examples. Example one. If your partner's spending seems out of control and chaotic to you, recall why frugality is important to you. A happy, secure family, perhaps? Would this particular episode of spending really get in the way of that? Or could it be that it's your frugality that gets in the way of both family harmony and your own comfort? With the same energy that you'd like to curb your partner's spending, question whether it's your reaction that's more out of control. Example 2. Psychotherapy might feel like it invites chaos, so you're reluctant to try it. After all, you'd need to trust someone, and that's out of your control. And it might release disturbing feelings both of which could feel chaotic to a mindset hell-bent on maintaining order. But might this be more about your anxiety about delegating to others and a fear of emotions getting out of control? Is it possible that your current emotional status is worse than trying therapy? Example 3. You may procrastinate rather than following through on projects and tasks because you imagine that the result will be better if you do it later. But what might actually be holding you back is that launching something from the realm of ideas to the realm of reality seems too chaotic to you. Is it possible that completion opens us to the imperfections of reality and the scrutiny of others? That may feel dangerously messy. Example 4. You feel that your friend has been treating you badly, but you don't tell him how you feel. Conflict feels chaotic, so you avoid it. Instead, you try mightily not to cause problems with this friend. But resentment is building. You fear losing their friendship, but since the real you is no longer in the relationship, is it even a real relationship? You may need to enlist your capacity to meticulously craft communication in an orderly way in order to save the real relationship. Example 5. If emotions and passions seem chaotic to you, ask whether these particular feelings are actually dangerous or perhaps might have just the right amount of chaos in them to dissolve some of the rigidity that's robbed you of a richer life. Making any of these shifts may feel like you're handing the wheel over to chaos, upsetting your usual approach to life. Could be, but I suspect that by this point you've already handed the wheel over to order. And it drives you rather than you driving it. And the idea that you're in control is just a myth in the worst sense. Chaos is not always the real villain. Sometimes it's our reaction that causes the problems. 
bringing consciousness to our participation in this larger story can help us to make better decisions about when we need to bring order to chaos and when we're all better off letting go and letting the forces of chaos work their inevitable change. You can find transcripts of this podcast with links to research sources and lots more at the Healthy Compulsive blog, www.thehealthycompulsive.com. If you'd like to subscribe to the Healthy Compulsive podcast, hit that subscribe button. And for a thorough guide to cultivating the positive potential of the compulsive personality, find my book on Amazon, The Healthy Compulsive, Healing Obsessive Compulsive Personality Disorder and Taking the Wheel of the Driven Personality. And if you find any of these helpful, let others know by leaving a review. Till next time, enjoy the drive.